chapter 6 um, starts off with a pretty popular story, right? The feeding of the 5,000. We've grown up hearing that. You know, if you've been in church, you've heard that all along the way. But chapter 5, right before that moment, um, is important because we're coming off of a chapter where Jesus interacts with the Pharisees and establishes his authority in God. And so he, he goes through this whole argument in chapter 5 with Pharisees and different individuals who are questioning his authority. And he says, no, truly I am the Son of God. And so he, he gives himself credibility, right? And it is likely that they're journeying at this point into, towards Jerusalem preparing for, um, for Pentecost and getting ready for, not Pentecost, sorry, Passover and getting ready for that celebration. And we come to chapter 6, where we have the feeding of the 5,000. And these are likely a whole bunch of um, Galileans coming to the epicenter for the Passover. And they're coming together, and they come across Jesus, and he starts um, speaking to them. He starts preaching, and, and then we know that they get hungry, and they, they say, hey, you know, like... We're going to send these people home. Are we going to feed them? What are we going to do? And then they find the little boy, right, with the five loaves and the two fish. And God says, okay, I can work with this, right? And he prays, and the bread gets multiplied. And the bread gets multiplied, and then they feed everyone, which, you know, it says 5,000 men. So who knows how many people actually were there. And so we have thousands of people that were just provided for from five loaves and two fish, right? If I was there, I personally would be rather impressed with this man, right? It hasn't been done before, and all of a sudden, here it is, right? Well, it hasn't been done before in their lifetime, right? But it was done before back in the Old Testament, right? And so it points to this picture of manna being provided for the Israelites in the desert. And those who were, were in uh, the synagogue and who were aware of the word, they would remember this, right? They would know this. And this, again, would be another confirmation of Jesus and his role and his authority that he comes in the name of God. And this is a really important moment because Jesus comes to the people and he provides them with bread. He provides them with food, something that they were needing, something they were wanting, and he provides it for them. And they are blessed, and they're overwhelmed, and they actually become so excited because of all the Old Testament prophecy, because of knowing that the manna got provided for the Israelites. And here this guy is teaching us, saying that he is from God, establishing his authority in God, and he provides us bread. So naturally, they get all excited, and they try to make him king. And at the end of the, um, the narrative of the feeding of the 5,000, um, he says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The people got so excited. Because they saw something that looked good 
and they were provided for in a need that they had. And they got so excited that they said, let's make him our king, right? Very practical. They were under Roman oppression. They don't like it. They know that the goal is to get back to a godly nation, Israel being able to be governed by Israel. And they're trying to get back to that. And so here this guy is, son of God, let's make him our king. Let's establish Israel nation again. Let's throw off the oppression of the Roman Empire. Let's, let's go for this, right? But what they missed was the spiritual significance of what Jesus had just done. That he wasn't trying to establish himself as a king, as an earthly king, but he was trying to establish himself as king in their lives. And he was trying to show them that he has the authority to provide for them in what they truly need, which is spiritual bread, right? Which is spiritually being provided for. So that they may experience a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And fearing that they would force him into a position that he did not want, he flees, right? He goes away. And so often, right, we feel that temptation, right? Maybe it's from a family member, maybe it's from a friend or a coworker, where they want to be provided for in a certain way, and so they ask, or they manipulate, or they coerce, or whatever, or they kind of guilt you into, right, doing something that provides for them. But you know, you know, even maybe as you give in and you're doing it, you know, right, that this is not actually what they need, right? They don't need me here, right? Like I could, my, my Quinn, you know, he's that whole like falling asleep thing. It's not his favorite time of day. And so he's like, lay with me, stay with me, come, please, you know, be here. And it's like, okay, okay, for a few minutes. But, you know, if I'm here for an hour, that's probably a little bit excessive. It's more than he needs, right? And, and so... We sit with them, and then we say, okay, you'll be fine, and we, and we pray, and we say, you know, we'll check on you, and we, we make sure he, he knows that he's okay. Because what he needs is he needs to feel safe, he needs to feel secure, he needs to grow in his own strength and trust of God, and, and that he'll be okay. And he also needs to learn that it's okay to fall asleep, you'll be fine, you know. And so we give him the assurance, but we don't give in to this sense of need to have mommy or daddy with him until he falls asleep. And it's kind of the same way. Jesus is like, I, I know you need a king. I know. I know I need to be this for you. But there's a certain way that I need to be that for you. And being a nursery king is not that way. But being a spiritual king, being your Savior, that. That is how I'm called to be. That's actually how I'm going to provide. That's how I'm going to meet your needs. We can sometimes, right, ask God to meet needs in ourselves this way. And so we go to God and we say, God, you know, right now I'm living with my in-laws 
So you know I'm on my knees praying for my own house, right? <laughs> it's just like, I need a house, God. Give me a house. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe, maybe I do. Practically, definitely need my own house, right? For my own family so we can do life at, in our routine, in our pattern. But that's not all I need from God, right? God can actually see bigger. He knows exactly what I need. You know, and the time at my in-laws has been a time where I've learned and grown personally with God and in my relationships with my in-laws, with my relationship with my wife and my kids. Like, God still works in that, you know? And God still meets a need. And to be like, it's always tough living with people, you know? But the blessing that it's been is so overwhelming. And it's more than I think my wife or I could have imagined, you know, and, and we, whatever, like, you get up, complain or whine because, you know, my father-in-law's up at 6 a.m. working, and you're just like, oh, I still want to sleep, you know, um, but that, right, like, that's a physical need, that's a physical desire to sleep more, you know, and not be disturbed, but spiritually, God's like, I want to provide. I want, I want to be your king in a, in a spiritual sense. I want to be there for you and provide for you according to faith. And so fearing that he'll be misunderstood, maybe even feeling the pull, that temptation to give in, right? He's still, he's still human, right? He still has that, he, he flees, right? He escapes, he gets away, and he goes back to God. He gets back in his prayer life and he gets back into his communication with the Father and he, and he gets restored. He gets refocused, right? And in the moments when we lose focus, it's that, that we've we got to come back and we've got to look, right? Look at the cross and say, here we are. This is where we are. God, you are what I know. You are what I can trust. So Jesus goes up as we go further into chapter 6. Jesus goes up into the mountain and he prays, and he's by himself. And the disciples, they get in the boat, and they start across, uh, across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. And this is where we know another maybe popular story, where they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and the wind picks up, and the sea gets choppy, and they're rowing, and they are rowing, and they are not getting anywhere, and they, um, they're, they're just getting frustrated. Right? They're getting discouraged. They're getting fearful because, you know, the wind's really picking up. Can the boat handle it? And all these thoughts are starting to, like, flow through their minds. They're getting anxious. And on top of it, right, all the people just tried to make their teacher king, and he left, right? So think about all those thoughts going through their minds too, right? Not only are they fearing for their life because the sea is getting choppy, they're rowing, it's in the middle of the night, they can't get across. And our teacher, our rabbi, who, who the nation just wanted to make king, said no and went up to the mountains to pray. I'm pretty sure they were struggling in their own minds of like, okay, well, how much authority does he really have, right? Like, 
I mean, he could be king. He could still work it out this way, right? He's God, so if he becomes king, I'm sure he can figure out how to make whatever he wants happen, happen anyway. And, and so they're, they're probably swirling with thoughts about, like, the, the bread just got, like, multiplied, like, it, but yet he didn't do the king thing. And so, like, all these thoughts, right, they just swarm in our minds. And, and we, too, like, we have these moments in life where we're just, like, well, God, like, I really thought you were telling me to do this. And then, like, you are, you know, you can, you are almighty, you are sovereign, like, all these things we know about who God is. And then we're like, but I don't feel it in my life. And so what does that mean? We get all caught up in, in knowing whether we're good, whether we're right, whether we're wrong, where's God and this and that. And, and, right, we can get anxious. We can get worked up. Maybe we get discouraged. We get frustrated. And in that moment, when the disciples are probably pretty close to their breaking point, it's when Jesus comes walking across the sea. Just, just walking, because that's how you get across water. Just walk. Um, just walking, you know. And he shows up. The disciples are afraid. They think he's a ghost, and they're not sure. But here he is. He shows up in that moment. And the focus, by default, right, because who walks on water? <laughs> no, no one but Jesus, right? And so all of a sudden, the waves don't matter. Where the boat is on the sea doesn't matter because their focus is honed in on Jesus. And in this moment where they're intensely focused and present, and see Jesus standing there in the water. Peter has courage. Peter has a boldness to say, if it's you, can I come out, right? And he walks on the water. And scripture tells us that he actually walked on the water. So I guess that's two men, Peter and Jesus, right? That walked on the water. And it's when his focus went off of Jesus that he begins to sink. That he begins to have questions. That he begins to feel fear. He begins to be overwhelmed by all of the physical ramifications of what he just did. And Jesus comes, even in that moment, still comes, still brings his presence in front of Peter to be his focus and get him back in safely in the boat. And in the Gospel of John here, it says... It is I, Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, whether that was like, poof, (laughs) they appeared on the land, or whether it was just like, just that reality of like, with God, we can get where we need to go. With Jesus being our focus, right? Right there. Right there we will be. That he will bring us through whatever it is. And we will come out on the other side where he desires us to be. Because when Jesus is our focus. And all the other realities of our situation get submitted to him. Then then we we have less anxiety. We have less fear. The rowing doesn't seem as hard, and we can arrive at the destination that Jesus has for us. 
Jesus, Jesus is on a roll, right? I mean, he just like multiplied bread, fed thousands of people. He got away. He got his quiet time with God. We see that it's important to have quiet time with God. He walks on water. I mean, he is just flowing in God's, God's ability and God's power in his life and, and him as a son of God. And we come up to verse 22 in chapter 6. And we get to a really difficult teaching, a really hard word. And so I'm going to pick up um, with verse 24, and we're going to read 24 to 35, which is our passage for this morning. And I invite you to stand as we read this. Right, 24, right? Yeah, okay. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Amen. May God add the richest blessings to the being of his word. You may be seated. When our focus is on Jesus, it gets very simple. And it actually takes intention. It takes effort on our part to keep our focus on Jesus. And there's so much in life that tells us that it's complicated and that we need to consider all a whole slew of things, right? This here, this lovely iPhone, smartphone device, right? We were told that this would make life easier. We were told that this would make life simpler. We were told that this would make life more productive and more efficient and more accommodating to what you want to do and how you want to live your life. And in fact, this has just enslaved us all (laughs) 
to communication and a lack of sleep. At least that's what I've experienced thus far, <laughs> um, right? It doesn't actually give us any of those things it promised. Because that's how it works, right? When, when our focus becomes technology, well, then it's like, well, this it can do this, and it can do that, and it can do that, and then I got to think about this, and and now we got to figure out how like how the PC communicates. I mean, this morning even, right? Like Jim and I were figuring out how do we how do we switch from PowerPoint to ProPresenter, and because we can't get PowerPoint to show up in ProPresenter because it's, it's like, oh my goodness, like I'm just gonna photocopy a paper and give it all to you, and you can read it that way. It'd probably be easier on some level, but it just gets so complicated, right? Life gets complicated. And Jesus says, he makes it so simple. He says, in verse 29, he says, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. They wanted to do. They wanted to be busy. They wanted to like have some sort of expression in, in their actions about doing the work of God. And he's like, no, don't go do Just be right now and believe that I am the one who God has sent. This is the idea for us as we we enter sabbatical rest, right? As we enter Sabbath rest. It's it's not about like, okay, what can we get ready? What can we do? What, What ministries? What this and this? No, let's just take a deep breath and focus on Jesus and agree with John chapter 6 that says it is that we believe in him whom he has sent, right? Very simple. Now, as we live that out, you know, there'll be layers to that and there'll be things we got to figure out. But, but when we get quiet, when we get just our focus on Jesus, things just get a little bit simpler. So they go on and they have this argument with Jesus, you know, and it sounds like you could read it so that it sounds like they're trying to figure it out. And maybe some are. But for the most part, they just keep trying to get back to the doing. And they just keep trying to tweak it. You know, they say, then what sign do you do that you may that we may see and believe you? Like they're still asking him to show them. But it's like, I just fed you, right? Like, all this bread, wasn't that enough? Right? Like, I, I shouldn't have to do any more. Like, you don't want to actually see. You want to do. You want to have this kingdom established here on earth. And you're not, you're not getting it yet, you know? And then they said, sir, give us this bread always, right? Hey, we could eat all the time, right? Sounds good. I don't know what it is, but it sounds good, so let's do it. And Jesus then says, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's a really strong word, right? I mean, you've got to be someone powerful and important to be able to say that. Thankfully, Jesus is. And we stop there, but it goes on and says, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, 
not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's, that's the simplicity of the gospel, right? Right? That's where it gets very simple. Focus on Jesus. Allow him to lead you. Allow him to lead us as we walk with him. Let us see that he can provide so that we are not hungry. Let him provide for us so we are not thirsty. But in order to do that, right, we have this like compulsion to sometimes earn that. You know, like, well, let me then do this so that, God, you can bless me. Let me go here and serve here and make this sacrifice so that, yes, I can receive from you. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, just believe. And I think that's, I'm going to take that a step farther than just salvation, right? It's not just believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And so we can be saved. I think it's also in our walk. It's, it's a part of our sanctification, right? It's a part of the process where we may, are made holy. That we believe that in that, in the gospel, in our salvation, God will be faithful to bring us to holiness, right? And so... As we sit, maybe believing in Jesus, saying like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died. But do we believe in his provision? Do we believe in all the truths of scripture that invite us in to a relationship with God where he provides, where he cares, where we don't have to earn anything from him, where we just walk in obedience, where we walk with him and we be and we believe and we rest right that that whole idea is is a posture of resting in him so that when we have changes that we encounter when we interact and when we when we um experience change and difficulty that our focus is there And we don't have to worry about the outcomes. And although they want to steal our attention away, and although they they may seem very real and very present, that our focus needs to be on Jesus. That our focus is on the cross. And that how we handle all the things out here is through one path. And that's Jesus. That's the cross. And that's what he invites us into. It's what he invites us how to walk and how to journey. One 
when I've been praying about where we go, you know, in this period of Sabbath. And what, you know, what does this mean for Parker Ford? Nancy was up here and she was sharing, like, okay, so, like, here's some basic guidelines. Here's what we seek to do. We're partnering with Tim. And this is kind of like the question, like, how, how are we going to believe in Jesus moving forward? How are we going to put our trust in him and walk with him moving forward? close, um, I want to do something a little bit different. Um, and Jim, I'm going to ask if you would um, lower the lights a little bit, the um, overhead, maybe put it on like C there. And the light's going to be on the cross. And I just want you to focus on the cross. And I just have five um, passages here that I'm going to read. And as you hear those passages, I just invite you to listen to the word. Let the Spirit speak to you in a way that you need God to speak into your life right now um, through these passages. Because a part of believing and a part of taking a stance on the foundation of Jesus Christ is that piece of knowing He is present, knowing He is here. So that we don't have to come in every Sunday wondering if Jesus is here, if the Spirit's going to show up, but come in knowing that Jesus is here. The Spirit will show up, and I am going to set my sight on God. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.
for I am with you. And no one will attack you or harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Father God, we just come and we look to you. God, we are um, unsure in many areas, you know, in many things, and it feels like our foundation is shifting beneath us. But Father, it's when we look at your Son, Jesus Christ, that we know we stand on a foundation that is rooted deeper than any other foundation in our lives. And Father, it is upon that foundation that we seek to stand and we seek to build your church upon. 